So, Gunnar, it's been a while since we recorded last, huh? Too long. It's been too long. Yep. And there's a reason for that. Oh, I know. I have reasons. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are your reasons? Well, just sitting back on, on just the, the royalty checks that we're getting from the last episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, the, the checks just keep coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like huge. I think Sean, he, he increased, our, we're up to like 25 bucks. <laughs> that's right that's right 25 dollars a mention um hugely successful episode dave we did great yeah i couldn't believe it this is a the that was the biggest episode ever mm-hmm. it? Eva, ever ever and ever biggest episode Eva. ever yeah Eva. yeah yeah it was huge uh and l- almost by orders of magnitude um yes. apparently pe- apparently people are into this container thing they like it it's dan walsh and it's coloring mm-hmm that's mm-hmm. right. Something for everybody. Probably got the whole the whole coloring demographic just like <laughs> locked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank and thanks again to Dan uh, for spending the time at especially carving time at a summit um, when everybody's everybody's time is very very scarce and very very precious. Um, Dan was really really gracious to uh, uh, to spend that hour with us. Um, that mm-hmm. was extremely nice of him. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. And and to not just welcome the new listeners that we've gain but we, we also have some diehard listeners right we do we do have some diehard fans yep yep so there's there's even a, a slack instance yeah that's right yeah so after we do we spent enough time talking about slack ourselves we were like well let's just go start one up and uh invited a few close dg show friends uh to join us and uh we set up a little robot uh to collect items for the cutting room floor and uh, it's, it's, it's actually super fun. It's nice to have like a, a little back channel with all your buddies, you know, as you go through the workday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to give us feedback on, on the show or give us ideas and uh, uh, tips on, on news items, uh, which really helps us out. So if, if people want to uh, get involved with uh, and, and uh, get a chance at uh, getting into it, what, what should they do? So the way to get invited to the DG Show Slack is to go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and then provide a comment on the show. Um, even something like, hey, love you guys, or you guys are devastatingly handsome, or I can't believe how intelligent you are, something something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so five-star rating, do a comment, and we're going to pick uh, a set of commenters at random to join us uh, on, the, uh, on the DG Show Slack. For free. For free. Free for nothing. Well, free yeah. except for your pride. Um, having forced you to log into iTunes and and uh, yes. um, and say great things about us, yeah. but that's the only cost. That's the only cost. Yeah, but we we do appreciate that. That that means a lot to us. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, yeah. But with that, um, that w- what else? What else has been uh, causing us to not have an episode for a while? Uh, let's see. Well, I moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, so I moved into, I moved, I'm still in Austin, but I moved to a new house in Austin, um, mm-hmm. in a, in a neighborhood that we're enjoying very much. Um, mm-hmm. Ingrid and Soren just came back from, uh, the pool, uh, which happens to be right across the street from our house. And, uh, later today we'll be taking a walk on uh, South Congress and going to eat at our favorite uh, Italian restaurant. Um, so that, so that, that's been very preoccupying, very preoccupying. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, what about you? What, what have you been into? A uh, different job role. Oh, really? Yes. You have a different job. Tell me more about that. I got your job and my Wait job. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's right. Yeah. I, it was very sneaky of me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you would think I could retire from the royalty checks, but you got a new role. I did get a new role. That's true. That's true. So I got, uh, I got called up to the show. Um, so uh, rather than being in the field doing the government work, um, I'm now uh, handling the kind of product management and strategy for Red Hat's Linux and virtualization business. Um, so every time you look at a copy of RHEL or RHEL Atomic or Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization, um, you can blame me and my team. Or thank you. Or thank me. Yeah, preferably right. thank me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So that's... A, that. Uh, and that's uh, that's yeah that has been preoccupying. You're right. Um, in fact, even more disruptive probably than this than moving houses. Um, it's I 
I don't know if you've had this day of like moving into a new organization. Um, and even just within the same company, you know, moving from the field into the, the business mm -hmm. is, uh, man, it's like working for a different company. I got, uh, I have to make new friends. Uh, I have yeah. nobody to eat lunch. You know, I don't have anybody to eat lunch with. Um, yeah. you know, trying to figure out where the cool kids table is. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, you go from, uh, you know, the, the solution being the problem and the problem being the solution. And, you know, it's like you're at the other end of the, at the other end of the table too, uh, sometimes. Yeah, actually, it's funny. More than once in the last uh, in the last three weeks, um, a problem has passed over my desk that I created. Um, yes, <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's funny. That's a, yeah. So that's been <clears throat> I get it. I get it coming and going. Um, so uh, no, but it's it's good. I'm really excited for the opportunity. The team I'm working with is fantastic, um, and I am I'm super excited about. Uh, this is a nice little stretch for me, um, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to to what we're going to be able to do. Um, so, you know, we're getting into stuff like rel eight planning and things like that. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing that too, because this is a, a great opportunity for you and I couldn't imagine a better person, uh, doing this role. So it's congratulations. Hey, thanks Dave. And, and I tell you, uh, uh taking over, uh, taking, you know, before, uh, you and I worked really closely together. We were kind of like tweedledee and tweedledum uh, on the government stuff. And now you've had to take over kind of all the responsibility for that. So, um, uh, and, and I, I am, I, I couldn't feel better leaving it in, uh, leaving it in someone's hands. Um, I know that you are going to excel, um, at this role. In fact, why don't, why don't you tell folks a little bit about the, uh, the changes you're making? Yeah. So it's, uh, well, one of the things like you and I were talking about the work we were doing and that, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't do both my job and your job. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're, we're building a virtual team and office of the chief technologist. So we're going to have guys that are going to, uh, be, uh, helping me out with a lot of the work that you and I have classically been doing. Um, but organizationally it's really exciting. So as we grow, um, you know, we're, we're building in, uh, some, uh, succession plans and career growth opportunities for a lot of folks in the organization, uh, to be able to help me out. Um, and, and it, it allows them to, to step up and, and, uh, really uh, show what they're capable of. So I'm really excited about that. That's great. I like how you described it. Uh, you described it in one meeting as like a justice league, mm -hmm. uh, yep. of expertise, which I, which I enjoy. Yeah. That's yep. great. No spandex. So, so yeah. <laughs> that's a disappointment. That's a yeah. disappointment. <laughs> that's subjective. So yeah, but you, know who, you know, who else is busy? Hmm. Uh, Lauren. Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. So what's that? Is she, is she on another uh, press junket? What's her, uh, what, yeah. what has she been into? Yeah, so she, uh, she's been working with opensource.com again and got an article. She interviewed one of her uh, interns uh, that, that she works with at NASA Glenn about the work they're doing with, uh, uh, in conjunction with NASA Glenn Air Force Research Lab in Dayton, uh, and they're doing some stuff with uh, robotics and open source and visualizing this stuff in virtual reality. So it's really cool work, and the, the images awesome. are pretty cool. That's awesome. That's great. Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. Good for her. Uh, let's see. So I have been doing a little bit of flying today, Dave, but uh, um, I, I, did you, you had a bad flying experience recently, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It, and this is like, I don't know if it uh, a changed and I didn't know about it, but it was a surprise to me that it's like, you know how you book a round trip flight and it's like, like on the way back, it's like, oh, with the cancellation fees or whatever, it's like, I... I just you know right off that flight, and then I'll I'll do a, a trip home earlier or or a trip later or whatever, and you change it, so I don't have to fool around with the the delays, or I mean with the uh, change fees, and so I found out that um, so for the trip uh, for the summit, I was I, I was planning originally to fly in on Tuesday and uh, and then go home on Friday, but I needed to change it. And so I figured that, all right, well, I'll just keep my original ticket the Tuesday and Friday, and I'll just cancel the, the flight, uh, cancel the flight on Tuesday, and I'll book a one-way on Monday. Sure. Um, and I figured, all right, no problem. I, I could do all that. This all seems reasonable. I, I'm not flying on their plane. They they're get to keep their money. How could they not like that? It's a win-win. Win-win. Um, yeah. It, for U.S. Airways, yes. And... Um, <laughs> And so it's like I, I go and, and I, I like uh, I'm sitting in the airport on Monday getting ready to get on my plane. And then I'm like trying to cancel the Tuesday flight. 
And they said that if I cancel the Tuesday flight, that also cancels the Friday flight, the return flight home. I couldn't cancel. It's like I thought like if you cancel a segment, yeah, that makes sense that you got to cancel the whole like trip for the day. But it actually cancels the whole thing. So not only did I, I had to buy, I had to rebuy my Friday ticket and pay a $200 change fee. <laughs> That's obnoxious. That's terrible. To not, to not fly on your plane on Tuesday. <laughs> That's pretty terrible. That's pretty terrible. So you're you're still doing the Southwest? Uh, no, I've become uh, a strumpet uh, when it comes to the airplanes now, um, especially because I'm going to be doing a lot more flying to Boston. So um, American Airlines doesn't appear to want my business anyway. Uh, so I'm using them sparingly, and uh, I'm exploring options. You know, I'm playing the field a little bit. Uh, I, I had some youthful experimentation with uh, Southwest. Um, uh, uh, JetBlue actually runs the only direct uh, to Boston. Mm. Um, from, uh, from Austin. So I suspect I'll be doing a lot more JetBlue, um, yep. in the near future. Uh, so yeah, uh, for those of you who are keep track at home, uh, uh, there, there will be changes, uh, to Gunner's, uh, to Gunner's flying patterns. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. Not really, so, but yeah. So what do we, uh, what's on tap for today? Oh, so many things, Dave. I mean, we have three weeks of backlog. We've accumulated, uh, both ourselves and, uh, the DG show clubhouse, um, have a, you know, we had so much stuff. Um, in fact, we couldn't even include it all in the episode, not even on the cutting room floor. That's how much stuff we had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we narrowed it down. And mm-hmm. so now, uh, this week we're going to be talking about commissars in the boardroom, mm-hmm. uh, the Akron police department's compulsory feelings of safety, mm-hmm. mandatory, um, yeah. mandatory, uh, more warm fuzzies from OPM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited about talking about that. And then, uh, more Yahoo news than you thought was possible. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. Yeah, so, so if folks want to, uh, if folks want to learn more um, about the commissars, or if uh, they want to uh, uh, track my uh, my airline preferences, Dave, uh, where where should they go? Yeah, they need to go to uh, dgshow.org. So D is in Dave, G is in Gunner, show.org. Nice, and uh, give us a five star rating and a comment on iTunes, and you too can be a member of the uh, DG Show fan club. You get an entry. That's right. That's right. And you can enter as many times as you want. Right. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So what's on the cutting room floor, speaking of which? So someone got a, someone on Twitter got a copy of uh, Walt Disney's business plan from the 1950s, which is a diagram uh, of all of the routes to market and all of the different businesses uh, that the Walt Disney Company was engaged in and kind of how they're all connected. Uh, and kind of Disneyland is like right there in the center of it. It's totally fascinating. It's really great. Wow. Um, and then also, uh, for the, uh, Warhammer 40 K fans out there like myself, uh, somebody did up a Mr. Potato head as a Warhammer 40 K, um, uh, uh, icon, which I enjoyed. And then, um, uh, Dave, you found these, uh, baby goats in pajamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's soothing. Um, so when you have a bad, <laughs> you know, a stressful day, just, just watch baby goats run around in pajamas and, and it'll make you happy. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's get started. Uh, Dave, what's in the mailbag? Yeah, so uh, let's see. Uh, special winner uh, David Murphy. He he found our episode eighty nine Easter egg. Oh, good. What was uh, remind me what the Easter egg was? Um, the the episode wasn't posted right, so we fixed it, <laughs> and so we, we let people know that it was out, and and it was one. It's part of our A B testing that we always do, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Our rigorous uh, green black testing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> And uh, so, congratulations, uh, David Murphy, for finding that. Uh, be, be sure to enter in, in uh, to, to get into Slack. I would love to have you join us here. You could alert us whenever uh, we uh, do some more A/B testing. Nice, Eagle Eyes Murphy. That's what they call him. Yeah, Eagle Eyes. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I like about Red Hat people. It's in the essays, the attention to detail, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So thank you, David. That was that was, that was awesome. Um, so let's see. A uh, little more follow up. Uh, did you hear about uh, Wayback Burgers? And and we're talking about cricket food. Like in Youngstown, you can you can get uh, cricket chips. Um, now now you can get a cricket uh, milkshake. Yeah. Ah. What is it? What does it taste like? Do we know? Uh, you can get uh, uh, chocolate flavored. You can get uh, Oreo flavored. Um, it's it's just basically they just get this cricket protein powder and then they mix it in for you. 
So, I, you know, it's funny, I'm reading this item about, and, and the words cricket powder showed up, and I, and I had this image of a lot of poorly paid people working on a dirt floor with a mortar and pestle, um, just grinding up cricket after cricket after cricket into a fine powder. Is that, yes. do you feel like it, that's about it, that's about it, right? Well, or you think about the, the fast food that, you know, somebody's always doing something to the food in the back room or whatever and putting a bug in, <laughs> you know, now they get, now it's official, you know. And, <laughs> There's one of the quotes from the articles that said that, that people think maybe we're grinding up crickets in the back room, uh, the, the, the person from the way back said. Uh, and he said, uh, adding that actually the in, all the insects are farm-raised domestically. Nice. And that nice. makes it better. It, 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 does. it does. It does. It does make me feel better. Um, and it also makes me shiver at the notion of a cricket farm and what that might look like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> cricket after cricket after cricket. Uh, Speaking boy. of creepy, so there's um, you know remember uh, Chow Mei, you know the the, the um, Chinese uh, uh, electronics manufacturer makes uh, you know the the MiFit band and the uh, um, all the cell phones and stuff like that. Um, now yeah. they have a uh, Communist Party exec committee part of uh, part of their company now. Well, congratulations to Xiaomi. I, it, that, I guess that's like a coming of age thing for major multinationals in China, right? Is like if you're big enough to get a commissar, like that's probably that's like getting on the stock market here, right? You've arrived. Yeah, you've yeah. arrived. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah, yeah, and it's and in some ways that's surprising. But what about like uh, what about you know? And that sounds kind of scary and everything. But what about is it the opposite for like U.S. politics where? You have Silicon Valley people leaving to get their favorite politician elected, um, and mm-hmm. and then they get into office, and it's that's their man in office. And you know, you could say with uh, Obama or or whatever, you know, it's like people, you know, the companies, um, you know, the companies driving the politicians as opposed to the politicians driving the companies. What? Well, yes, yes, but I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not passing judgment. Yeah, it's just an interesting. Contrast. Well, I think there's something there's something substantively different in uh, like an employee at a Silicon Valley company deciding that they have a preference and then whatever taking a hiatus and going to work for the administration. Um, mm-hmm. That's like someone of a free agent. Um, they have a conviction and they're exploring that conviction, right? So, so yeah. that's one thing that that and and that's something we celebrate. That's something that people are able to do. Um, having the government come in and say, "Hi, we're installing." Uh, basically, you know, like a shadow board that is going to oversee your operations uh, seems like qualitatively different, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the power is moving in different directions uh, mm-hmm. in each of those scenarios, right? Um, exactly. So I think yeah. like, yeah, so I think like some of the, there was, in the, I know in the media, like there was some talk of like the equivalence between, you know, uh, companies donating to political parties and stuff like that. But um, when it gets down to the heart of it, like, no company is like begging for the communist party to install it's like borg cube into its organization right like no company wants that um yep. that's probably a distraction um and they're probably only doing it for politically kind of expedient reasons um so anyway i, I th- those, th- those two things are definitely different they're definitely different right yeah oh yeah yeah just interesting contrast though and it and is. congratulations to xiaomi and, and congratulations to xiaomi yeah welcome to the club yeah yeah so what's going on in Akron, man? Why, and why is the Akron Police Department making news like every week? I think we've mentioned Akron like the last like five or six episodes. We've talked about Akron pretty consistently, haven't we? Uh, it's different. So you got the the Cleveland Police. They they they're the ones that had the big trial with the big like uh, high speed car chases and shootouts while they're driving and and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were other like terrible news stories of just like like just children getting shot and that, that's a Cleveland police. And then, um, there are some other, there's another sheriff that did some bad stuff around here, but then, um, the Akron police, I don't know if they are seeing the, the bad, uh, press that like police has been, you know, the, like the police in my area have, have been getting, um, and they're trying to do something to counter that. So what they've been doing is having like a checkpoint, uh, to pull people over and basically give them uh, free safety inspections and like AAA <laughs> membership cards. <laughs> okay, why are you crying? I just <laughs> yeah. I just pulled you over to give you a AAA card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so 
you know, and it would be like, you know, making sure child seats are installed properly and, and the windshield wipers are attached to the car. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, to me, I'm like, if it was me and I'm like trying to go somewhere and, you know, the last thing I want to do is be in a checkpoint. Like if I'm going somewhere, I'm trying to like pick Lauren up or, or, you know, you're trying, you got stuff to do. And the last thing I need is like a $10 AutoZone gift card. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because um, the, the message the, commu- the police are communicating with this program is, your time is worth nothing to us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and in the spirit of making checkpoints more fun. <laughs> so terrible. How did it, I mean, you have to, especially as a police officer, more than anyone else in in really any job, except maybe the military, you have to be sensitive. You have to be like kind of cognizant of when you're punching down, right? Yeah. And this is like absolutely a case of punching down. Like in the right circumstances, I am legally entitled to kill you. Mm-hmm. But here, I'm going to pull you over and I'm going to make it mandatory. And in return, I'm going to give you a $10 gift card. Sorry for the inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. Here, go buy some wiper blades. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like, like, the, like the casual brandishment of power is it just like so tone deaf. So speaking of abuses of power. Yeah. So the Iowa uh, school district, uh, they are, or there is an Iowa school district asking principals to wear body cams. So what's the rationale for that? I can imagine with, you know, you hear about like teacher abuse or uh, just, uh, or like you get to like the one-on-one sort of things with students. Um, They Mm -hmm. think that if somebody is wearing a body cam, they could they could be like, oh, somebody said something funny happened. Well, let's let's go back to the tape and see see if that really happened. Huh. Well, but this is just principals, right? Not the teachers. For now, yes. Yeah. And yes. and it's my guess is that it's a cost thing because like it's like an eighty-five dollar right. wearable recorder that they would wear, and and it's like, hey, we'll try it with the principals, and then we'll if that works, you know, we'll we'll go from there. But um, I could also see it being like a storage problem and. You know, among uh, and it's a lot of technical problems, but then also there's a problem with the um, setting expectations. Like if you treat people like children, they're going to act like children. Yes. And you know, they, and it's like they should have. You know, they they are professionals, and you're not treating them like professionals. You're treating them like just uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's infants. You're not, it's like treating them yeah. like infants, right? Yeah. 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 Um. What a terrible signal to send to somebody, especially if, so in the case of police, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like in the case of police wearing body cameras, I think that's universally recognized as a good idea because they have an extraordinary amount of power over people. And so having some checks and balances in there in the form of surveillance, probably not a bad idea, although it's complicated, right? But yeah, but okay. and, and like, to defend I, themselves, you know, like to yeah, say, that's right. like, look, this guy really did pull a gun on me and I have the evidence to show that or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and it's also the decision making process too of like how quickly things move and they have to make those life or death decisions compared to a principle that, you know, I, I don't think there are, he has that life and death criticality split decision making. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, and also you got to something important too, which was, uh, using, uh, not, uh, it's not meant as a like surveillance measure. It's meant as like a protective measure for the principal, right? I'm sure it's being sold as, well, listen, if you're wearing this body camera um, and something goes sideways or a student says that you did something that you didn't do, we can always go back to the body camera and particularly like the, the, and the nefariousness of that argument is that that is true for everybody in any profession, right? Yeah. Um, if you can sell somebody on the idea that wearing a body camera is for your own safety um, and, you know, and, and for your, uh, and for your own benefit, um, then that means that everybody should be wearing body cameras. In fact, I won't insure you unless you are wearing a body camera. Right. Um, and that's why this is uh, the, not only creepy, not only creepy, but like morally corrosive. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all fired yep. up here. Well, speaking of corrosive, uh, well, I don't know about corrosive, but but uh, have you seen that uh, OPM and ODNI has they've turned to paper forms temporarily? No, A plus transition there. Nice segue. Um, yeah, I yeah I did see that they moved to paper forms, the presumably unhackable paper forms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it's not a long term thing. It's I think it's until they get their systems together, they gotta keep doing the investigation. So hey, let's do it on paper and then we'll scan the stuff later and, and okay. you know, transcribe it. Exactly. But, I mean and and you know, what the hell, the the the, the investigations can't go any slower. Um, so, <laughs> so my, it may speed it up. Yeah. <laughs> mind you, mind if I speed them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this is just like closing the door after the horse left the barn. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and also too, with it, you know, with on paper, Oh, that's, that's a lot more secure, but, um, we've talked about this before with used photocopiers that have the disk drive still in them. Like it, <laughs> there are images of all those photos in there. So, like I fill out my SF-86 form and I take it to Kinko's to make photocopies while all of my information is now in a Kinko's that ultimately goes off lease and ends up in a warehouse somewhere for somebody to buy and take all that information. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. I, I, just, I, can't, I mean, I'm, I'm still really... The magnitude of this screw-up is just, is, just, is just unbelievable. I mean, it's it's just appalling. And like... The fact that, I th- as far as I can tell, only one person has been fired for this is, it's just unconscionable. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, but so, but but other countries are 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 learning the lesson, right? Like we took the hit, but everyone else sees like, oh, this could happen to me too. Oh yeah, like the the Russians buying their typewriters. <laughs> That's right. This is how Mad Max starts, by the way. This is exactly how Mad Max starts, right? Like yeah. we start not trusting the electronics, and now suddenly we're using typewriters, and then we're using chalk, and then we're scratching with sticks in the dirt, and then we're fighting to the death over uh, over barrels of gasoline. Yep. 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 Totally. That's I, I see that. It's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, you know what? You know what would lighten my mood, Dave? Um, an anti-advertisement. Yeah, let's do an yeah. anti-advertisement. Yeah. So th- this this week is not sponsored by Uber. Um, so yeah. So they <laughs> they uh, they they asked uh, the FTC asked uh, to block Uber. Or wait, start over again. Um, the FTC uh, was asked to block Uber from getting location data in the background. Um, so. I guess uh, if you look at the EULA for uh, Uber, they they are able to collect your lo- location data in the background. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, whether or not their app does it today, they, they have the option to do that, I guess, to provide a better Uber experience. So, so what's interesting about this is that the FTC went in, and it's actually the FTC that, that quote-unquote, fixed this problem, right, uh, where they had to intercede in order to prevent Uber from... Uh, from collecting the data when I guess I guess I would have expected this to be uh, kind of like a civil matter right where somebody says like hey you're not supposed to be collecting my day and you're collecting it anyway I want to take you to court right and let it be like a tort thing um, but this is like proactive and by the way visible right because like Uber's not the only company that's doing this um, but Uber is definitely being made an example of yeah. um, and so I know that some people were upset about kind of the arbitrary nature of this action uh, where they're like focusing on Uber when there are you know literally dozens of other companies um, yep. who are who are kind of guilty of the same infraction, right? Um, but you know, kill one is an example for the others, right? I guess is what's going on here. Yep. Yeah. Make an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, speaking of ads, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, uh, Oracle and Yahoo are teaming up. <laughs> are you excited this is, I'm, I'm excited i can't wait i cannot wait mm-hmm. this, is a, two of, this is like two, two of my favorite it, companies just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so they uh oracle so like you know how you like on a windows system or whatever you know you're installing java uh and then there's an update um by default it will uh that whenever you go to update java uh, the default will automatically switch uh, your default browser to Yahoo. Awesome. Just awesome. what you didn't, wanted. It didn't, just exactly what I wanted. Didn't SourceForge get into a huge amount of trouble for doing something really similar? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah, as if, so first of all, can we talk about how bad the Java client software is? 
Um, like you got to download the installer and the installer downloads a bunch of other stuff and it's constantly updating itself and I'm never really sure what's running Java and what's not. And I feel like I, I periodically will like go through fits where I uninstall Java cause I don't want to mm-hmm. use it and mm-hmm. I don't want it on my system. And then, uh, suddenly someone, and suddenly I find it on my system again, uh, mm-hmm. presumably because I needed, you know, I needed to be running it for one reason or another. And I can never really keep the, the client and the, and the server SDKs, right? I mean, we have JBoss folks, right? And, and they enjoy Java and they need Java to be building their excellent software. Um, yeah. and so, but no matter what version of Java I have installed on my laptop, it's for whatever reason, it's never the right version. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just, the whole, the whole user experience for this, for Java is just, it's just real poor. It's just real bad, real bad. Unless you're running. So rel. the only way, unless you're running rel, in which case it's RPM dash IVH. Yep. 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 Super easy. Super mm-hmm. easy. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and so we talked about ad experience optimization. Um, somebody else got optimized. Oh yeah. An ISIS, uh, person that was like, uh, uh, Posting on social media uh, a selfie, and then um, our um, the the Air Force Times reported that uh, U.S. intelligence officers were able to get that image, pull out the uh, the the uh, geolocation data, and and uh, you know basically the guy is standing in front of a sign of the location of where he's at, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the Air Force is able to schedule a JDAM to visit. Uh, actually, three. <laughs> I should I, I I shouldn't laugh at a tragic loss of life, but that, that is pretty funny. That's like that's like out of spies like us, right? It's like, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. But the the I have the picture in the show notes, so if anybody wants to see the selfie, it's there. Um, and it is a candidate for the picture of the week. Um, he's happy at the time uh, in the picture. So so any well, there's a, there's a well th- there's a way to abuse this too, right? Is like. Um, taking a photo or like getting in the account of somebody who is somebody who, who everybody knows is being monitored. Right. And then injecting fake geolocation data in there. Um, and then posting that online. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. So I wonder, like, I wonder what the corroboration process, I can't imagine they would expend a JDAM, which is like a very expensive piece of hardware. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, tasking satellites and like whatever else they have to do. Um, I can't imagine that they would, you know, fire a JDAM just on the strength of like the geolocation data in one JPEG, right? It has to be like a constellation of things before they make that kind of decision, right? He well, said, hopefully. Yeah, and and they didn't go into it in the article, like the details, but the guy is standing in front of a sign of the location. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, seriously, go go look at the picture, and it's, I mean, it's like. <laughs> It's like wearing a right. Listen, side. listen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so. So, lesson learned: operational security is important. This yeah. is what. This is what. He's very learned. happy, yeah. or was. <laughs> um. So, but let's go back to Yahoo for a second because I, yeah, I don't want to get off this. I mean, used I, to being I, happy. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So Yahoo's doing some spring cleaning, right? Yeah. So um, uh, one. So, remember Yahoo Maps. I do remember Yahoo Maps. Yeah, that yeah, was the that thing. was like that was, the that jam, was like right? the cool thing. That it's like I'm not using MapQuest. I'm I'm using I'm cool. I use Yahoo Maps. Yeah, exactly. so it's gone. Um, so if you if you do a Yahoo search for uh, or if you go to maps.yahoo.com, it gives you a Yahoo search for maps, and the number one hit is Google Maps. Naturally, mm-hmm. naturally. Um, man, that's gotta feel pretty bad. I'm surprised. Doesn't Bing have Maps? Yeah, yep. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that with their search deal, uh, Microsoft didn't offer Yahoo to replace Yahoo Maps with Bing Maps. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what. I, yeah, that's what I would have done. But you know, they're like, like saying that they're like they're getting back to search communications and digital content. But knowing how with mobile these days and how location is so important, you know, ask the ISIS people. Um, <laughs> that is. Uh, you know, to get rid of that and not have something to back it up, even if you outsourced it, is I think that's a gap. Yeah, I think we can throw that on the pile of uh, other bad Yahoo strategic decisions. Um, yep. <laughs> it's 
terrible. But I was disappointed to see also that they retired pipes. Yes, yes, and that, which is that like the, which is like me, the. Well, that that reminds me of back when I was twenty some years ago as an SGI customer. There was Iris Explorer that you could take mm-hmm. all these widgets and do do this scientific visualization pipeline, and it was really slick how you could build applications and it. Pipes looked uh, a lot like that, where you could do uh, those sort of things. But I guess they weren't making money off of it, so they had to get rid of it. Yeah, stands to reason. Stands to reason. But that was a, that was a fun. That was a really fun product. Um, kind of much earlier and much more interesting than like if this then that and and some of these other kind of automated services. Um, yeah, it was really pretty sophisticated. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's a yeah, bummer. it could have been could have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I was just ragging on I was just ragging on Java um, earlier, um, but of course, in the same breath, we have to also uh, rag on Flash, right? Yes, totally. So did you uh, for a couple of days have some issues with like uh, your web browser rejecting uh, Flash content? Yeah, I did. That was a little strange. What was that, what was that about? Yeah. So that that's all part of this. So um, Firefox and Chrome. Uh, they they like within the browser themselves. They actually actively look at the Flash version, and and if it has known security vulnerabilities, it will now block Flash content. And so, for the past couple of days, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, it would it you know you go to like some site and it tries to play a Flash video or whatever. Um, and it would say this content is blocked because you're running an out of date plugin, and you could you could uh, you could say, well, no, go ahead, do it anyhow. I, I trust this content. Um, but by default, it won't do it because um, I guess Chrome and Firefox are very um, uh, against, uh, uh, you know, using Flash because of, of just the security problems that it has and, and uh, Adobe being so slow to fix them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I, I wish I knew what the conversation was like inside Adobe where uh, they haven't fixed the flash problem right because for literally years flash has been a constant source of of exploitation right um and i don't know why people keep making things in flash and i don't know why they don't actually they don't fix the flash runtime right like hire somebody like go talk to some people like figure out how to how to fix this thing because it's it seems like every month there's another kind of catastrophic zero day flash vulnerability um, yeah. that, that puts everybody at risk, right? I, or, I just, or open I don't source know what's it. going on over there. Yeah. Open source it. Yeah. But open source and, it. and I know too that a lot, like even Adobe, everybody's going away from Flash, including Adobe. So there's a lot of legacy content. And I can imagine from an enterprise standpoint, like you think about all mm-hmm. that, like stuff we have with our learning management system that has like Flash and just, oh, it's terrible. And now with mm-hmm. HTML5, um, the need for Flash is significantly lessened. Yeah, that's right. In fact, YouTube doesn't even use Flash by default anymore, as far as yeah. uh, I think, right? Which is um, great. Yeah. Which is great, which is great. And also, I think, uh, I'm saying, you know, most security experts will recommend uh, actually disabling the, like, auto run of Flash. So, you know, instead of whatever, getting the Flash thing, um, you get a gray box, which you have to like right click on and explicitly say, yes, run this flash content, which is by the way, just like a good policy in general. I mean, the idea that you could visit a web page and then someone could squirt whatever executable content they wanted to onto your PC is bananas. And I can't believe anybody thought that that was a good idea. Right. Everybody made fun of ActiveX when that was a thing. Um, and, uh, the idea that we're, that we still allow that kind of thing to happen on flash is just it's bonkers. It's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's like the uh, it's the curl pipe bash of uh, of web browsing, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. So, have you seen uh, that worldwide PC shipments they've had the biggest drop in two years? Yeah. In my new job, suddenly I'm responsible for paying attention to stuff like this. So, yeah, I did see that. Um, how about that? Uh, what a surprise! Really, I'm not surprised. Like, it, I, like I can imagine like with a lot of people just moving to tablets and using their mobile phones, the need for them to own a desktop PC at home is, is way lessened. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, I, 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 I'm not surprised at all. Well, see, I think, well, there's two things happening here, right? Is the first is 
PCs are plenty powerful for 99.9% of users and have been for many years, right? So I think like the useful yes. lifetime of PCs is much longer than it used to be, right? Instead yes. of just the two or three year cadence we used to be on. Like I have laptops, which I'm very happy with, which are like four years old, five years old. Um, so that's a, that I think is part of it as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you, like, do you think that mobile is, people are favoring mobile over like a proper PC? I can imagine that. So for people who uh, would never have bought a PC, they may instead buy a tablet, right? Mm -hmm. I can imagine that. So it's kind of like an expanding market thing. Um, But if people are, but people already have PCs, chances are very good that they also have tablets, right? Yes. So is it like, so is, so I I guess I'm wondering, like I'm questioning the premise of like, well, because mobile is becoming so popular, we are selling fewer PCs. Like that's, that's not my experience actually. Like most people who have PCs are not giving them up in favor of tablets, except maybe my mom. Well, that, that's what I was going to say is it, it's mm-hmm. very much like what you said is it's probably delaying the hardware refresh for your mom. Um, or, or like, like with my parents, uh, you know, they, they had the windows computer and everything. And, uh, I got them that Chromebook for Christmas and they just, they fight over it. Um, and they love it just because, you know, it boots up quickly. It's always up to date. They're not, you know, it's not pulling down virus, uh, and trying to uh, virus, um, uh, updates and uh, doing rebooting all the time and everything. It's it's the user experience is so much nicer. Um, where you know to me the Chromebook is very much like a tablet with a keyboard on it um, mm-hmm. compared to you know, and they don't need the full blown you know PC experience where they just want to bring up a web browser and do everything in a browser. Right, right. So you know who's probably sweating this is uh, Intel, right? They can't be happy about this. Yes, I know they're they're getting into the the mobile market with like you know atom based tablets and stuff like that. But but I I do see it like I lived through this at SGI where uh, like the the Wintel boxes like totally cannibalized the SGI workstations, which cannibalized the investment in the big iron servers, and and that was you know and it, it ended up just like drown uh, you know they they ended up you know starving the R&D budget and that was really bad. So mm-hmm. I could imagine this being a problem there unless they have a, a mobile strategy, but then does that mobile strategy map to the PCs to, to sell the more higher margin uh, Xeon processors? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, what do you, and what do you think the effect of this is on open source? Like on, in one sense, like democratizing technology, putting technology into the hands of more and different people, I think is like uniformly great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like these, like tablets are not devices for meant for creation necessarily right they're they're not uh they're not very good for things like recording podcasts for example um uh for editing video for like building web pages uh, things like that like tablets are largely kind of what i forget mary meeker i think calls them like lean back devices right yeah as opposed to like lean forward devices um so i don't know what do you think what's the over under on whether this is uh good for open source or not yeah, so I think it's it it could be a net negative, um, but so on the negative side, it's like what you said. But on the positive side, you're going to have a lot of these mobile devices um, being the foundation of a lot of open hardware. So look at the mm-hmm. Raspberry Pi, which is a Broadcom chip uh, from a cell phone, and and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have existed without the uh, without you know all that investment in mobile. But if but as long as you could decouple it and and have an open platform, I I think you could get some really cool things that you couldn't do with a three thousand dollar PC. Right, right, that's true. And I and I guess it's also true that um, the proliferation of mobile devices, you know, those mobile devices have to talk to something, right? And so you're actually going to have a ton of open source innovation um, mm-hmm. on the server side, right? Yeah. Um, in yeah. order to kind of feed these devices, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, we ought to get a mobile strategy at Red Hat. Yeah, we got a. Oh wait, we bought one. No, we yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So our, our so Feed Henry, right? Actually, yep. David, did you see the Feed Henry demo at uh, at Summit? Oh, it was wonderful. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, it if you've heard that Red Hat acquired Feed Henry and don't completely understand what it is that Feed Henry does, uh, do Dave and I a solid and go into the cutting room floor and take a look at the. Uh, demo from Burst Sutter uh, from Summit this year. Um, that guy just blew the doors off the place. Um, just an amazing demo. 
um, and in particular the uh, the the work that that, uh, that the Feed Henry guys have put together, um, which is now being sold. What is the Red Hat Mobile application platform? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, Red Hat Mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a just a really exciting product. Um, I'm so stoked that, that that's in the portfolio now. Uh, just really tremendous stuff. So speaking of mobile, have you uh, have you heard about the the Commodore Pet smartphone that's coming out? <laughs> I was I was I will admit to you that I was unaware that Commodore was still a legally viable entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're back. They're back. Yeah, and uh, so they they have a smartphone that's coming out. It has the uh, like on the back of the phone. It's white. Um, you know, it's that uh, Commodore white. You know, creamish color. It has the Commodore logo on the back of it. So if you want to impress people, um, you can maybe. Um, <laughs> and and uh, it's running Android, and uh, it includes mm-hmm. uh, uh, Commodore sixty four and Amiga emulators. Because that's what Thank people goodness. want. Because mm-hmm. that's that's what that the people demand Amiga emulators on all their smartphones. I've think, mm-hmm. I've heard this a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty great. That's kind of fun. Who would invest money in that? Like like who like know. talking about business plans? The Disney business plan. I mean, <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, through the magic of democratized technology and manufacturing processes, right? Like all you need to do is fill out a Kickstarter in order to get something like this together, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like you know what? Like this this got what twenty five people excited, and then they were able to actually make it. That's cool. That's right. God, you know, God, you know what? God bless them. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of speaking of uh, uh, ongoing disruptions, um, the uh, the top 500 supercomputer list is is out, right? Yep, yep, it's out again, and uh, a lot of it, like the you know, people are added, people are removed. China has the number one supercomputer; it just totally blows it out, and then the United States follows, uh, you know, the next couple. Um, but what was interesting, uh, th- there's some analysis of this that I, I put a link in the show notes to where they see a leveling off in terms of, of uh, you know, uh, of, of the, the over time, and then they plotted it out, and it looks like it's the, the growth curve is starting to slow a little bit. Hmm. That's really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's not like the chips are getting any slower necessarily, right? So, like, what did, did, they, did they say what the constraint was? Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look at it, but to me it's like, I'm not a big fan of the top 500 anyhow because that makes people think that that is the best computer all around that everybody needs to have. And all right. all the top 500 does is that it just does uh, – It's everybody runs the same benchmark, which is called LinPack, and all it does is linear algebra calculations. So if you have a computer that does like big memory or fast network communications and stuff like that, the – it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't really uh, show off the, the capabilities of, of what it can do. It's, it's, you know, it's like saying what's the best dragster uh, compared to, you know, a general purpose car. Right, right. And also each one of these are built, well, like, for a particular purpose, right? Like whether it's like simulation or, you know, modeling or like whatever the, whatever the task is, you know, factoring, you know. Um, getting on the top and- 500. Or getting on the day, yeah, exactly right, and so yeah. that, you know, getting on the top five hundred becomes a design goal, right? Which is mm-hmm. which kind of probably perverts some of the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, speaking of Intel, they they are actually if uh, dominating the uh, the chips that are used there, whether it's their own uh, CPUs or coprocessors that they're using for math. Well, and this gets to another point: is that you know the the choices of architectures and and this may be my own ignorance on the hpc space but like there's only kind of a narrow variation in architectures and a narrow variation in the kinds of uh chipsets that are available to you right Mm -hmm. um and so really it just becomes a matter of like how much money do you want to pour into this so that you can scale the machine out right um and so you know it's not a surprise like you know if china wants to claim 61 of the of the top 500 uh, good for them. I mean, that is a, but that requires like a huge investment in order to distinguish yourself. Um, it's not like a set of supercomputers competing on kind of unique approaches to interconnects or unique approaches to uh, whatever chip design or something like that. Like everybody's basically using the same commodity chips and they're just trying to figure out more and, cl- and more clever ways of scaling out. Right. Yep. 
Um, yeah, and some of them will he, have he a said, unique... He said, he said immediately dreading the angry emails from the HBC guys. So, yeah, <laughs> no, but send, uh, send this. If, if, I, if I'm totally ignorant on this and don't know what I'm talking about, definitely uh, uh, definitely send it. Give, give us some comments and, uh, and let us know. Let me know what I got wrong. Yeah, and sometimes they'll do, like, custom interconnects. That's what, that's what SGI was famous for. Um, but that was very, very expensive. And, and so the problem that you have is that you know, if SGI doesn't have the R&D money to do the interconnects, then they don't get faster. And then all of a sudden, the more commoditized stuff, you know, catches up. And, and like you said, everybody's using commodity. But you're still going to have some niche players that are doing custom interconnects or networks and stuff that do exotic things and good for them. All right, cool. Uh, so, Dave, what's the, uh, what's the Summit Replay video of the week? Oh, this one is from a friend of the show, Matt Mycini, uh, Security Compliance uh, automation with Red Hat. Nice. So, uh, I so I think SCAP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes through the whole story of like how to do lockdown and and it's SCAP. It's getting satellite integrated and everything, and uh, it's a really good presentation. I, I really enjoyed watching the replay, uh, which and I have the link on uh, uh, on the show notes if people want to catch a YouTube video. Yeah, and and in fact, he's going to be presenting that at uh, Defense in Depth on September first. Excellent, excellent. All right, looking forward to that. Um, if the so, Dave, in my new job, I'm suddenly uh, in my new job. I'm suddenly responsible for a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot deeper knowledge of uh, of the Red Hat portfolio uh, than I may have had before. Um, yeah. I kind of need to know how all this stuff fits together. Um, and I went through the, our course catalog, and it's just bewildering. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I I often don't know kind of what to schedule and what role, what courses to enroll in, and stuff like that. Um, what are, what are my options here? Um, do I just have to buy them onesie twosie, or or do we have something better than that? Yeah, so it's we got a new thing. It's called uh, Red Hat Training. So think of it as Netflix for training. So you you get a subscription to the training, and it's all the training you can uh, you could eat for one low price. Nice, what a good idea! Almost uh, so, it, like literally a, a training subscription, right? So yeah, so you um, get it for it's one. Like year. A, it's like buying a, so it's like buying an admiral admirals club pass. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's unlimited uh, training, and and it also gives you uh, like compute cycles to do lab work so you could practice for the exams and all that so it's it's good stuff right on that's great that's great so another thing about about the new job dave is you know moving into this this the the business side of the house or rather yeah moving into the the business unit uh side of the house um what i've noticed too is now i'm working with a lot more engineers and so suddenly my voicemail traffic has dropped off precipitously um, suddenly everything is being done on IRC and email and not so much through the telephone, which is mm. pretty interesting. Hmm. So people aren't, so you're probably having calls like conference calls, but not necessarily people calling you directly. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. 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 yeah so I saw some art, uh, an article, I put it in the show notes about, uh, you know, this one guy, it's like, he's totally like ready to just get rid of, uh, voicemail altogether. Where the, and he cited a couple of companies that actually they turned off their voicemail systems altogether. Um, uh, like uh, J.P. Morgan, they said they would save 3.2 million dollars by cutting voicemail for 136,000 people. Huh. And so, what what do they typically replace that with? Is it just replaced with like emails and video conferencing? Is that it? Yeah, I guess so. But to me, uh, you know, I would. How about you? Would you rather get a voicemail? Like, or you call somebody, do you want it to ring and ring and ring or, or do you want somebody to be able to leave a voicemail or what if they don't know your email or if you're contacting somebody, it's like you already spent the time calling them and why not just leave a voicemail, but now you got to type up an email and then the conversation all of a sudden jumps over to email, which may not be the best way to solve a problem. Right. Well, I think so, so, uh, I think, so we can actually separate the problems out, and, and that's a useful exercise, right? So if all I want is for somebody to call me so we can have an in-person kind of real-time conversation, um, voicemail is actually not useful, right? All somebody needs to do is see the missed call notification on their phone, and they know that I called, and, and I should probably call them back, right? Um, Maybe. And for a lot of folks, I think that's like the norm. For some folks, that's an, I'm, I know that's not the norm. Um, 
another course of action is calling, and then if, if somebody doesn't answer, um, just sending them a text message, right? I know a number of people who actively encourage that. So Brian, friend of the show, Brian Mickelson, right? If you call his voicemail, he says, you can leave me a voicemail, but if you want a quick response, you can send me a text message. Like that mm-hmm. seems, that seems nice and clear. Um, and I, and I suspect after hearing that a lot of people don't leave them a voicemail unless they're like a vendor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, the, so I think like, cause it, how, how often when you receive a voicemail, is it somebody who is simply transmitting you information and doesn't want to actually have a conversation? Not too frequently in my experience. Is it, is it different for you? Yeah, no, I don't want I don't want somebody to transmit information, as you say. But um, mm-hmm. but I do. There is a difference than when you call somebody and then you don't leave a message, and you call somebody and you do leave a message. Like if to me, I look at it as if somebody calls me and they don't leave a message, I have no obligation to call them back. But if they leave a message mm-hmm. to say call me back, I do feel obligated to to call them back. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it feels like we're maybe at a cultural transition point because I think the expectations are different for different folks. And I feel like yeah. younger people, if they even pick up the phone in the first place, if they yeah. just, they're, younger folks are probably relying on the missed call notification as opposed to a voicemail, right? Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas old fogies like you and me probably um, will probably ignore the missed call notification and just only worry about if somebody left a voicemail. That's yeah, and the, this also assumes that everybody's phones can get text messages. So like, what about somebody's office phone? Like to me, I would be okay getting rid of everybody's office phone and give everybody cell phones Yeah, and, you know, and having one inbox. And, and so like you said, it's like I could, you know, it could ring and ring and ring, but I could text them or whatever. And there was some other way to contact them. But if I call somebody's office and I don't have their cell phone number or I don't have their email address, um, and I get rid of their voicemail box, then that could be a problem or a yes. benefit. No, that's true. <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> so you found this item, uh, with a friend of the show, uh, David A. Wheeler, Dr. David A. Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the Linux foundation, they have the core infrastructure initiative where they are looking at, uh, open source projects that are at risk. Um, and so, uh, if and I put a link to the census project and the white paper that that uh, uh, that Dr. David A. Wheeler wrote uh, that people could check out. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. But Gunnar, what do you think about foundations? Like I admire them for like soliciting donations and and there are companies that are stepping up and, and giving money to this initiative to um, uh, make sure that uh, these projects don't die. But and that's cool that the companies want to do that. But, um, what about, that's not the only way that you could, uh, uh, fund the development of open source software, right? Our favorite way of funding open source development is, is paying money to the people who are actually writing the software in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, often through support contracts, services, contracts, maintenance, and so forth. Um, that's, that's a, that's a nice way to take the money, uh, that you have and put it right in the pocket, uh, of the folks that matter. Um, mm-hmm. so, but that's just a personal preference. Yep. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about in this, uh, census project is the way that they do the math to figure it out. Um, they, they talk about, uh, uh, either the truck factor or the bus factor. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I have, but uh, go ahead and, yeah, go ahead and explain it. Yeah. Yeah, so the the truck factor is um, it's basically for these guys it's a rating as far as like how risky is this project if this person got run over by a truck. So like and <laughs> like Linux ended up turning out pretty well because you know you would think oh my gosh if something happened to Linus it would it would be over with, but the reality is is that there's you know the continuity of operations would uh, move along pretty well because there are so many people contributing and they have an infrastructure already put in and all that so. Um, that's really good compared to other projects that are at greater risk that may be written by one or two people that if something happened to them or they got uh, tired of working on the project, that that could really be bad. So I think it's important to note here, too, is that like this is exactly the kind of analysis that Red Hat does before we ship software ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we Because we rely on 
on the community for all kinds of software that we ship and put ourselves on the hook for. We have to go into those communities and make sure that they are viable, that, you know, that there is no bus factor, right, uh, for, a, for a particular package. Um, we need to make sure that, you know, when we ship uh, Apache, bad example, but um, when we ship a particular software package that we're not going to be ruined or, you know, left, uh, left on the hook, um, if, you know, one of the developers gets bored and moves on to something else. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, like, costly. It is uh, time-consuming. Um, building in kind of all the defenses and redundancy you need in order to make sure that you can provide a supported product, for, especially for over 10 years, 13 years, um, that is that kind of legwork and that kind of analysis is, uh, well, it's a lot of work, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's just one of the many services we provide at, uh, at Red Hat. So with that, we've we've just burned through this uh, mm-hmm. nine pages of show notes. I feel so accomplished, and did it in uh, looks like in about an hour. So this has actually turned out to be like an average length episode, which is nice. uh, folks at home cannot see these notes, but it is an extraordinary amount of material we just burned through. Yeah, I feel pretty yeah. bad about that. Well, great. So if people wanted to look at all of the. Uh, the cutting room floor. Uh, we have pictures of of uh, East Germans, uh, so you could identify them. Um, plus, plus many other things here. Where, where should they go? Where, where do they need to look? Yeah, so they can go to uh, https dgshow.org. That's uh, D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. And they can go to iTunes, give us a five star rating. Put a put a put a put a pleasant comment in there, and uh, and then uh, and perhaps be rewarded with a membership into the uh, DG Show Cool Kids Club. Yes, yes, for free. For free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dave. Feels really good to get this episode off my chest. <laughs> it feels it feels tremendously good to get this episode <laughs> off our chest. Yeah. Now we have another right, backlog. Uh, yeah, exactly. We got another backlog. So I will. Uh, I'll see you next week, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Connor. And thanks, everybody.